This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hello, I'm Sarah Gregory, and today I'm talking with Dr. Matthias Markovic, a researcher at the Medical University of Vienna in Austria. We'll be discussing the risk of tick-borne infections after a tick bite. Um, welcome, Dr. Markovic. Hello. Um, how many different pathogens are there in ticks? Uh, so we uh, conducted our study in Austria, and in Austria we, fi uh, we find in ticks, first of all, uh, Borrelia burgdorferi sensulato, and uh, this is the most common infectious pathogen. And uh, we also find some other rare pathogens like Anaplasma phagocytophyllum, uh, uh, Candidatus neuralicia micorensis, and uh, relapsing fever Borrelia like Borrelia myomotoi, and uh, a variety of Rickettsia species. So these are pathogens which are taken up by the tick during the blood meal because the ticks need blood of uh, the blood of uh, uh, different animals in order to develop, uh, in order to. Uh, keep the life cycle, and in this situation, they take up the pathogens, which might be, uh, which might cause diseases in humans. So, the origin of the pathogens are animals. What are they? The biggest group are bacteria, and our study uh, focused on bacterial pathogens, but we also find viruses like tick-borne encephalitis virus um, and parasites like Babesia. But the biggest group of pathogens are bacterial pathogens. And uh, some of them are intracellular pathogens like uh, Rickettsia species and Anaplasma. Uh, and so they, they are quite difficult to cultivate in, in the routine laboratory. Apparently, many new tick pathogens have emerged. Do you know why this is? Yeah, this is a good question. Uh, when we look at uh, Lyme borreliosis, which was uh, which is known uh, for quite a long time, uh, the first cases of infections were described in Vienna in 1912. So uh, I have read a publication uh, on erythema migrans, which was described by a doctor in Vienna, and this, these are very good descriptions, very detailed descriptions of a uh, disease which was not uh, known so far. And the pathogen was uh, described and cultivated uh, 70 years later, so it took a lot of time. Um, and today we find uh, new pathogens which were not known basically because of the progress uh, in molecular testing. So we do not need to wait 70 years, but we are quite uh, much faster. But uh, some of the pathogens are really new. For example, Borrelia miyamotoi uh, were first reported, uh, so the human cases, the human cases of uh, Borrelia miyamotoi infections were reported in Russia in uh, 2011. And uh, the other pathogen, which was uh, uh, which we are interested in, Candidatus neolicha mycorensis, was found in 2010. 
And I guess infections may uh, have occurred earlier, but it was not known. The pathogen was not known. And due to uh, better diagnosis and progress in molecular testing, we are uh, able to detect such bacteria. And we even detect new species of rickettsia, uh, which are which is a very gr- big group of bacteria. And uh, with our methods, we could detect a new rickettsia species in a tick from Tyrol. Um, when we were doing this, when we have uh, uh, been performing the study. So I think this is a technical progress uh, which enables uh, to find new new bacteria which are difficult to cultivate, like intracellular bacteria. Are some pathogens more infectious to people than others, and which one stood out for you? Yeah, this is an interesting question because... Uh, it's difficult to study uh, this uh, this question uh, under controlled conditions. So what are the factors which uh, were responsible for transmitting, transmitting and, and pathogen, a pathogen uh, from a tick to human? So of course, the, the pathogen must be in the tick, so the tick must have been infected with this pathogen. And... Uh, the other question is how many ticks, so what is the prevalence of the pathogen in the ticks? And we know for Borrelia burgdorferi that this is in Austria about 20 to 30 percent. Uh, we know for rickettsia species that we have about 10 to 20 rickettsia positive ticks. Uh, so the pathogen must be in ticks and it must be transmitted. And there are some conditions or, uh, which are responsible for, the tra- uh, for, for a successful transmission. Uh, this might be, for example, time, so the duration of, of the blood meal, which is important for Borrelia. Um, we know that it takes hours to transmit Borrelia from a tick to human, but there are some pathogens which do not need uh, such long time period. So um, each pathogen is different. Therefore, uh, it's not uh, possible to, to, to say uh, which pathogen is, is the one which is most infectious because we cannot, uh, we do not have comparable uh, observations, comparable uh, conditions to, to study it. But from the uh, from, from the clinical perspective, we know that Lyme borreliosis is the most common infection, um, which was also shown in our study. So um, what are some other factors that increase the risk of infection? There seem to be several, according to your article. Yeah, so we, we are, we, in our study, we investigated the risk factors for Lyme borreliosis uh, because this was the most common infection and we had uh, we had enough cases, enough infections to uh, perform a statistical analysis. So what we wanted to know from our patients was how long was the tick attached uh, after the bite uh, just, to have, uh, just to have an estimated duration of uh, blood meal. We also investigated the ticks uh, under, with a microscope just to see their, in, their engorgement level. We wanted to know how big they are. Uh, we documented the site of the body where the tick was uh, biting uh, the, the participants, and we analyzed, and we did a risk analysis just to see what variables are uh, predictive for infection. And 
what stood out was that uh, the engorgement level of, of the tick was uh, a main predictor for the infection. So if the tick was fully engorged, the uh, risk was 10 much higher to uh, get the infection. And also the PCR uh, detection of Borrelia bugdorferi sensulata in ticks was also a factor which was predictive for the infection. Uh, we did not find a correlation with an estimated time of uh, blood meal duration, so uh, maybe the uh, reports of the patients were not uh, precise enough because it is difficult to estimate how long the tick was in the skin. Um, and uh, so we found that uh, the engorgement level of the tick and the PCR confirmation of Borrelia in ticks was predictive. And what was the aim of your study? Uh, so the aim of our study was to analyze uh, the outcome of tick bites in general, and we focused on bacterial tick-borne infections. Uh, we wanted to know what infection, infections would develop in our participants if uh, symptoms occurred or if they were, there were also asymptomatic infections and we wanted to uh, analyze risk factors for Borrelia bugdorferi infections um, because we expected that Borrelia would be the most common, the most frequent infection in our study cohort. And uh, we analyzed uh, different risk factors. And how did you conduct your study? So our study was a prospective study uh, which was performed in two centers in Austria, in our uh, university in Vienna and um, also in Tyrol. And we asked participants who were bitten by ticks to come to our center with the tick. And uh, we investigated the tick for different bacterial pathogens. And we also took blood from the patients and uh, we repeated the blood investigation after approximately six weeks. Uh, this was because we wanted to know if antibodies, if specific antibodies will develop after the tick bite. And we also analyzed the blood for uh, the pathogens by PCR methods. Then we also uh, asked the patients uh, to report if there was erythema migrans, so we wanted to know how many participants will develop erythema migrans, which is the most common clinical manifestation of Lyme borreliosis. So this, was a, uh, this is how, how it worked, and um, we could include about 500 participants in Vienna and in Austria who were bitten by uh, more than 1,200 ticks. So there were several persons who uh, had more, uh, more tick bites, and we investigated all ticks uh, for pathogens which were uh, brought by patients. So all the ticks that you studied were brought by patients who'd been bitten by ticks. Okay. Yes. Um, how do you analyze a tick? I mean, how do you get the blood out of a tick? Yeah, so our, our institute has a, a big experience in tick investigations, in, in, in analysis of ticks. Um, we, previously, we performed studies when uh, 
my colleagues collected pigs from the vegetation, uh, and we have different methods to uh, to find pathogens. So we use PCR, we use sequencing, uh, and in case of our study, uh, the ticks uh, which were removed by participants uh, were analyzed. Uh, so the participants of the uh, of the study were asked to collect the ticks and to bring the ticks to our institute and to uh, give the blood for more investigations and tests. Uh, but, I mean, physically, uh, what do you do with the ticks that, to analyze them? I mean, do you cut them apart, stick a little tiny syringe and pull the blood out? The tick must be cut apart, yes, in order to, uh, to analyze the, the pathogens which are inside. Yeah. Uh, so there are, we have, uh, we have uh, procedures to do that, our, our technicians are quite experienced in, in this kind of work. Very, very skillful, small, small motor skills. Yeah. Why do you feel your study is important? Uh, I, I believe that the, the, this, our study is a good overview of uh, possible outcome of tick bites in uh, in. in Europe. So I think we had an, a representative sample of of uh, persons uh, who were bitten by ticks uh, during recreational activities or during during occupational activities, and um, so there have been many studies where ticks were analyzed for pathogens. So we have a quite we had a quite good overview uh, what pathogens can be found in ticks. However, studies. Uh, uh, which uh, showed how, uh, which showed the infections after the tick bite are, are are not very frequent, and we wanted to combine the tick screening, the tick testing, and the testing of patients, uh, just to see uh, what is the uh, frequency of pathogens in ticks and what is the frequency of pathogens which can be found in patients after a tick bite. So. Uh, the advantage of the study is that we also concentrated on on different pathogens, not only on Lyme borreliosis, but also on emerging pathogens like uh, uh, relapsing fever borrelia, like uh, neoelichia, and uh, these pathogens uh, are uh, relatively new and they are known just since uh, several years. And of course, we also focused on risk analysis for Borrelia infection, which might be important for the further studies on, uh, for example, on prophylactic measures, uh, how to prevent Lyme Borreliosis. So we have identified specific group of patients uh, uh, or, or specific uh, conditions which uh, uh, in, in which uh, the risk for infection is, is higher. You mentioned testing for antibodies earlier in one of your answers. Um, is it possible for people to develop antibodies to prevent a future infection from the same pathogen? Yes. Uh, uh, so uh, the antibodies which uh, develop after Borrelia infections are not protective for 100% because in, in Europe, we have uh, 
many different species of Borrelia, Burgdorferis, and Sulata, which cause human infection. Uh, it, this, is, this is different uh, in comparison to the, to the North America. And in, in Europe, uh, we have patients who develop uh, Borrelia for several times, Borrelia infection for several times. So uh, you can get Erythema migrans uh, after uh, a new tick bites uh, uh, again. So even if you have antibodies after the infection, so they, they are not protective, uh, like uh, for example uh, after, uh, after after a vaccination. Yeah. Um, you mentioned in your article that you think tick bite infections are underestimated. What needs to happen so accurate data is reported? Uh, it is important to. Uh, to think about pathogens in patients who have specific symptoms. For example, fever uh, is a symptom which might be caused by different different infections. And uh, I'm not sure if uh, testing is performed in uh, by doctors uh, for this infection because these these pathogens are new and they may be not known very well. Uh, so it would be it would be important to uh, test patients with fever uh, for these infections and to have epidemiological surveillance, which is which is missing. Yeah? Uh, and of course, it would be important to have a surveillance system for patients with specific symptoms after a tick bite. And for example, fever would be. Uh, interesting, uh, so it would be interesting to investigate or to test patients with fever for emerging uh, pathogens. Um, so I think a complete surveillance is missing uh, in many countries currently. How do you think this study applies to tick-borne infections in other parts of the world? I think you mentioned that uh, you thought it was applicable to Europe, but uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, in in our country and in, in Central Europe, Ixodes ricinus is the tick species which is uh, responsible for, which bites people uh, very frequently. So. In our study, almost all ticks were Ixodes ricinus. So I think that our results uh, are comparable to other regions of Europe where Ixodes ricinus is active. Uh, and there are some other studies from, from Scandinavia, and uh, they show that the risk for in infection with Lyme Borrelia is uh, about 5%, uh, which was also shown in our report. So we have very comparable, uh, very comparable results. In North America, there are different tick species uh, which uh, bite people. Therefore, I don't think that our results would be the same. Yeah? And also, there are different Borrelia species. So I think for Europe, uh, our results uh, would be uh, similar in, in other parts of, of of our region. Were you surprised by any of the findings you discovered? Uh, yes. Uh, so I the, the, the project took uh, four years, and uh, I had contact with many 
participants, and I was very surprised that some of the people uh, were beaten by by uh, by a very high number of ticks. Yeah? So we had some persons who had we had one one participant who were was beaten by 150 ticks and. Uh, some ladies who were beaten by 50 or 60 ticks. Uh, so obviously there are some people who attach ticks uh, more than the others. And uh, this, of course, uh, uh, raises additional research questions. So what, what are the factors uh, uh, responsible for such... Uh, such uh, uh, what are the factors why the, the, these people are so attractive for ticks? Um, what was what also was surprising in our study um, was that uh, Candidatus neolichamicurensis, which is an emerging pathogen, uh, occurred quite frequently after a tick bite in humans. So this was the second common infection after Lyme borreliosis. So uh, 2.5% of participants had the pathogen after a tick bite. Um, this was quite surprising, and what was and what also was surprising was that uh, some persons uh, had a persistent infection. So we had um, we found three persons uh, uh, with a persistent uh, neolichia infection, and all of them were asymptomatic. So these were persons who were healthy, but we found the infection only because we tested all participants systematically by PCR. And what was also interesting is that uh, we found Rickettsia uh, helvetica quite frequently in our ticks, uh, which was known, uh, but there were no human infections. So this uh, pathogen uh, occurs in ticks, but obviously it is not very uh, uh, dangerous to people because we did not find any case either by, by seroconversion nor by PCR. Um, yes, so these were the, the main findings which uh, I was, uh, which I did not expect before the study was carried out. So earlier you, you said risk factors were time, engorgement, uh, that sort of thing, but my mind boggles at uh, having 50 or 60 or a hundred ticks on you at one time. Um, was more ticks related to a higher infection level? Yeah, this was also significantly. Uh, 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 so at, at least um, uh, in, in, in our study, uh, uh, we did not document this kind of relationship, but... Uh, uh, but the, the point is that maybe not all patients uh, knew about the the the, the, the ticks, uh, all ticks which have beaten them. Yes, so uh, uh, they only brought those ticks which they have detected on on their skin. So th you do not uh, observe or notice all ticks uh, which bite. Uh, that's that's the problem here. So, um, what were some of the challenges? I guess that was a challenge, knowing how many bites a person actually had, but were there any other challenges? Yeah. Uh, so, when we started with the project in uh, 2015, 
the problem was that we did not could we did not include many participants because because it was not known. Uh, we had a chance to announce our project on on media uh, one year later, and uh, after that we really had very uh, nice uh, uh, numbers of participants who who came to our center. But before it was quite disappointing that we. Uh, it was quite disappointing because the number of patients was not uh, partic- the number of participants was not very uh, satisfi- satisfying. Yeah, and the other thing which was uh, uh, challenging uh, was that in May and in June there were very uh, uh, there were many teams and we had uh, simultaneously many participants who came to our department. And of course, uh, this was a challenge for the laboratory to test all the ticks because we had really hundreds of ticks in in a very short period of time. And uh, in patients or uh, for participants uh, who were bitten by many ticks, it was difficult to uh, document all body sites uh, because uh, we wanted to know for each tick what what was the site of the tick bite and it was quite difficult if there was a person with 20 tick bites just to uh, document all all the sites of the tick bites uh, in for this for these persons can you remind us of the best ways to avoid tick bites uh, yes uh, so uh, Avoiding tick bites, uh, the, the best way to avoid, avoid tick bites is to check your body after being outdoors, I think. Uh, if the tick is removed quickly uh, or even if it does not have a chance to attach, then the risk of infection is very low. Uh, the, other way, the other possibility is to take a shower uh, and to check clothing and to uh, change clothing after being outdoors yeah and also repellents can be used however uh, in europe we do not have uh, evidence based data about the efficacy of repellents but uh, um, maybe for some persons they are helpful oh that's interesting okay um what should someone do if they discover ticks on themselves? Do they need to remove them themselves, or should they rush off to see a doctor immediately? Uh, there are many uh, persons who are able to remove ticks themselves. Yes, if it's not possible, then of course uh, one might one uh, should get uh, to a doctor. But normally, uh, this is this is not a problem. Uh, and uh, after that, it's enough to observe uh, the, the, the skin uh, to see if there is erythema, uh, if erythema migrants develop, so if there is a rash. Uh, and this rash can develop even several weeks after the tick bite, so it may take time. Uh, there are also some other symptoms uh, which one should think about, for example, fever, uh, if there is fever, this, uh, the infection with some other emerging pathogens may be possible, like anaplasma or neurolichia. And then, of course, uh, uh, a, visit, uh, a visit in a doctor. Uh, for, for, sorry. 
then of course one should go to a doctor for uh, to make a test. Uh, but our study showed that after 95% of tick bites, no infection develops. So there is rather a high chance uh, to stay healthy after a tick bite than to uh, get any of these infections. Your article was chosen as a Medscape continuing medical education article by EID. Um, why do you think it is? Uh, EID only chooses about two a month. Yes, I'm happy that our study was chosen, uh, uh, and I think this is because uh, ticks and tick bites are relevant for patient care. So I think that the outcome of tick bites is very well documented in our study, and this information may be useful for doctors uh, who see patients after tick bites. Uh, and the study is... A simple study, it has a very simple design, and, this, and it is easy to follow, I think. Um, and I think it is good to know that after most tick bites, uh, there is no infection. So in our studies, it was the, uh, 95% of patients, of participants, uh, did not develop any infection. Uh, and on the other hand, there, there are also some uh, rare pathogens aside from Lyme Borrelia which might not be widely known, and our study shows uh, uh, the frequency of these infections uh, on a quite big sample of participants. And the, the knowledge about the epidemiology of such infections uh, is rather limited so far. So tell us about your job. What about it matters most to you? Uh, so I'm working uh, at the Medical University of Vienna, uh, and our institute is the Institute for Hygiene and Applied Immunology, and we are the reference center for Lyme borreliosis and for other bacterial tick-borne infections in Austria. So these are uh, uh, so our main research uh, topic uh, is Lyme borreliosis and tick-borne infections, and I personally. Uh, take care of clinical projects, and I also work in an outpatient department uh, and try to advise patients and to um, treat patients uh, if the infection, if they have an infection with any of these pathogens. And we have we have also many uh, other clinical projects on uh, host pathogen interaction. In Lyme borreliosis patients, so uh, there are some other ongoing projects currently, uh, which are also very interesting. Have you done anything differently during the pandemic than before it hit? Anything new that you'll continue as we slowly emerge? Uh, I must admit that uh, I'm happy that we could, we we carried out the study before the pandemic. Uh, Hit because it would be not possible to include so, uh, so many participants yeah, because uh, the people had to come to the outpatient department for uh, giving their blood. And uh, I'm really happy that we could finish our project in 2018 before uh, the pandemic began. Uh, but we are not uh, directly working with uh, with COVID, uh, so I think Lyme borreliosis and tick-borne diseases is a different topic uh, 
And it will be also important after the pandemic because tick and tick bites and tick-borne infections will uh, will be here uh, after the pandemic also. And very important topic. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today, Dr. Markovich. Thank you. And thanks for joining me out there. You can read the April 2021 article, Infections with Tick-Borne Pathogens After Tick Bite, Austria, 2015 through 2018, online at cdc.gov eid. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.